0: Broadcasting live from the RNR Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas
1: Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. And here we are, live in the Raider Nation studio. Here, Raider Nation Radio 920 in the huddle. Your boy Q holding it down for Vinny Bonsignor, who's still getting his RNR, his rest and relaxation as Next week, training camp opens up across the league. Training camp opened up today for the Dallas Cowboys. Training camp opened up today for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They'll be the two teams that participate in the Hall of Fame game coming up. That's just right around the corner. Got word today by way of email. The Hall of Fame has accepted my credential request. So somehow, some way, I'll find a way to make sure uh, my show, Unnecessary Roughness, as well as JT the Brick, will be somehow bringing you some kind of sound, some kind of audio, some kind of Show from the Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio, as Coach Tom Flores is inducted. Defensive back Charles Woodson is inducted. And, of course, one of Raider Nation's own, Wayne Mabry, the violator, goes into the Hall of Fame as a super fan. Good dude right there. Had him on the show many times. Probably talked to him before before that happens. But, uh, yeah, that was a great email. Really surprised to get that email because I uh, got my request in a little bit late. It was after the deadline, and normally they don't really – do too much moving and shaking for people, but I do think that they kind of realized the situation as I just, just arrived here at the radio station. So they kind of gave me a little slack and said, you know what, Q we'll do the best we can. So boom, got that email. Good to go. Now, Damon, the problem is I'm gonna need you to go ahead and get me a flight. I'm gonna need you to go ahead and get me a room I'm and, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna go ahead and need you to get me a, a rental car. But
2: you know what I was thinking when you said this,
1: huh? Charles
2: Woodson, it's got to happen. Now it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's happening.
1: That's been on my bucket list. That's been on my bucket list for years, right? I've done every – I always say this is the the catchphrase, and I'll pass this on to you. You're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take. I've been taking shot after shot (laughs) after shot to try to get Charles Woodson five-minute interview, three-minute interview, eight-minute interview, whatever, just a few minutes with C. Wood. I've been working on that for a very, very long time. That, my friend, will happen will happen I set my mind to it and I will get it done and so uh, yeah at the very least it will happen in Canton Ohio as he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame very well deserved so uh, that's just one good piece of news and and very excited it was great to hear JT back in studio back from his vacation in Florida he was here uh, earlier today got to chop it up with him a little bit and so he's got a lot that he's going to be bringing to the table as far as the Hall of Fame goes but Raider Nation Radio 920 is going to be your one-stop shop for all things Hall of Fame all things covering the silver and black. This is where you're going to want to be. Very excited about that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at r 920 AM. And, of course, more details on the way. Got a locked and loaded show for you, as, as always. We try to bring you bring you the heat every single day because that's what Raider Nation deserves. I like to have two or three guests to show just because. I mean, just, just because you want to hear from other people. You want to hear what others are thinking about certain situations, certain players, or even reminiscing on, you know, time as a as, as a raider, you know, reminiscing on their time with the Silver and Black. So, on today's show, matter of fact coming up in about 5 minutes, I'm going to be joined by Keenan Cummings, West Virginia West Virginia reporter. He's from WVUsports.com, and you're probably wondering, what's a guy from West Virginia? What's a West Virginia dude going to do on the show? Well, he's going to talk about undrafted free agent Darius Steeles. That's a guy I'm excited about. Uh, as I was in Texas, I was covering the Big 12, which there's been a lot of news about the Big 12 today. We'll ask Keenan about that as well. I was covering the Big 12, and one guy who was a constant disruptor I think that's the best way kind of a hellraiser on the defensive line Ooh, for that's the Mountaineers. He way better than yeah. a disruptor. Yeah, Ooh, that's was. A good one. Uh, You oh, like uh, <laughs> uh, how I upgraded him, right? <laughs> I upgraded him <them. laughs> Darius Steels. And he has a, he has a brother. And so we always said the Steels brothers, but it was always led by Darius. Darius was the dude. He went undrafted, which shocked the mess out of me. I couldn't believe that he went undrafted. Kind of undersized a little bit, but in the game of football, if you got it in here, if you got that want to, size I ain't worried about. And Darius Steels is a dude that I know has the want to. So uh, we're going to talk to Keenan Cummins about Darius Steels and what he thinks his chances are of making the, the, uh, the 53-man roster or even making the practice squad for the Raiders. I think he's a guy. I'll just so go ahead and put it out there right now. I think he's going to make the roster some, somehow some shape. I think he's going to make the roster. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a camp body and then gets released. Now, look, gut feeling. That's all it is. Just a gut feeling. It's 90 men. It's going to get very competitive once training camp opens up next week. I just have a feeling that Darius is going to make the squad. So we'll talk all things Darius steals with uh, Keenan Cummings coming up in about two or three minutes uh, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Then at 430, I mentioned former members of the Silver and Black. How about Van McElroy? That guy was a Super Bowl winner. He played under Coach Tom Flores. Safety. Big time ball hawk. And I I wanted to have him on the show because the Raiders haven't had a ball hawk at the back end of that defense in a long time. It's been a long time. Of course, Seawood going into Hall of Fame. When he returned, he was, he was that guy. He was still able to get interceptions whenever he wanted to. He just had a knack for the ball. What does he would always say? See ball, get ball. That's what he did. Van McElroy did that as well. Over 30 career interceptions. Again, Super Bowl champ. There's certain things, and I, I said this about, and I, I had a coach tell me this one time. A defensive coordinator told me this one time. He said, Q, if you did not get, create turnovers in high school, you probably didn't create turnovers in college. If you don't create turnovers in college, you probably won't create turnovers in the NFL. Van McElroy was very good at creating turnovers. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about Coach Flores. Talk to him about Trayvon Merrick, the new free safety, who I believe is going to be a ball hawk for the Raiders on the back end of that defense. That's coming up at 4.30, then at 5 o'clock. Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. She's going to join us. She was at the Mountain West uh, Media Days earlier today over at the Cosmo. I was over there, Steve Cofield and company uh, from uh, ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, as well as the Press Box, Graney and Tyler Bischoff. They were over there earlier doing their thing, so I was able to kind of you know, head around and walk around the Cosmo and check it out and and shake hands and talk to a few folks, including uh, Coach Arroyo from uh, UNLV football. And so uh, we'll we'll talk to Cassie about the Raiders opening up training camp next week, what her expectations are, what she's going to be looking for. And then also I'll just get her thoughts on the Mountain West Conference that she was a, a part of earlier today over at the Cosmo. So that's that's the guest lineup right there. Of course, Raider Nation, we're going to want to hear from you throughout the course of the show 702 365 9200. The Salmon Ash text line is always wide open, like some old school TV antennas as well. You could text 69187. Keyword is RNR. So uh, that's as simple as that. Make sure you hit up Salmon Ash at salmonash.com because you deserve what's right. We definitely appreciate them for sponsoring our Raider Nation text line. So we're uh, efforting right now to get Keenan Cummings onto the show. Like I said, I'm very excited about uh, Darius Steels, Very excited about training camp opening up. Been covering the Raiders for a very, very long time, but this is the first time I actually get to cover them like a glove, be up close and personal. So next week when we're there at the facility in Henderson, and actually I'll be broadcasting this show tomorrow from the facility right there in Henderson, it's going to be a lot of fun just to be out there for, you know, the small window of time that we're able to be out there. Uh, of course, the media sessions that we'll be doing and just, uh, you know, the interaction and, and, and as the team prepares for an upcoming season – of Raider football so that's going to be a lot of fun but before we uh, get into any of that we do need to get to our guest and I'm very pleased now to bring on to uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 Keenan Cummings from uh, wvsports.com he covers West Virginia like a glove and Keenan, thank you so much for uh, you know reacting to my text message so quick fast and in a hurry I mean it was one of those last minute things but we definitely appreciate you. Uh, you reaching out and saying that you had a few minutes of time and I just wanted to ask you about Darius Steels. He's a guy that you covered at West Virginia. You know him very well. You saw what he was able to do with the Mountaineers. He was an undrafted free agent. I was shocked by that, but either way, the Raiders were able to pick him up and, and, and bring him into the fold. What are your thoughts on Darius Steels, and how surprised were you that he went undrafted?
3: I mean, I, I was totally shocked. I mean, I, re- I really was just based off what he was able to do in college, especially his senior season. Consensus All American here at West Virginia, which. Has not been a frequent occurrence, um, and really, just how hard he's worked over his career. In a way, uh, I don't know how to word this, but it's almost unfortunately fitting for him the way his career has gone. You know, he was overlooked in high school, and he was a guy that camped at West Virginia. I've I've covered Darius, you know, since he was a sophomore in, in high school. You know, a freshman in high school, and he was overlooked. And you know, his brother Dante was always kind of bigger than him, the, the bigger high school uh, prospect. And he came to college, and he, he always said, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it to the NFL. You know, I, I'm going to be a starter here. I'm going to do this. He got an offer late from West Virginia. He actually originally committed to Rutgers. Mm. Uh, West Virginia offered a few days later, and it, it, it didn't take much convincing. He's the son of Gary Steele's, obviously, uh, former West Virginia great. Um, flipped pretty instantly, and I guess the rest is history. You know, came here and, and had a great career. Um, started off, you know, he played rotational guy last two years was absolutely dominant i mean you watch some of his tape he he controlled the line of scrimmage the, the shift to their defensive scheme what they were able to do with him and now he was able to kind of freelance not not so much play gaps but really disrupt up front really fit him he's an athletic guy that really has only gotten better if i could point to one highlight if you haven't watched any raiders fans watch the interception he had last year against kansas uh and the ball gets uh, you know ricocheted up in the air. he chases it down and a big guy diving interception. You don't you
1: don't see that very often. <laughs> no, no, you don't. The Raider Nation, go ahead and mark that. Go check that uh, interception out by Darius Steels against Kansas. A uh, ball in the air, and he goes and and makes the play. A big guy getting it. and you and you mentioned his size, Keenan, and, and he's a little undersized. But I described him at the beginning of the show as really a hellraiser. I mean, and that's just kind of what he was on the defensive line for West Virginia. And I know every team that played him in the big 12 always had to circle Darius Steels. They had to watch out where he was coming from. What would you basically say in your opinion is his biggest strength?
3: His motor. I mean, he never stops. I always said in high school, if you could take Dante's body and put Darius's just desire and his motor in it, it would be a five-star player um, because it's just together they're good they're good I mean if you could put them together though it would kind of be a Frankenstein type situation but his motor he never quits he's really self-driven if you talk to him he has he's so much confidence you know before he was ever you know the Darius Stills he was his junior year he was sitting there as a freshman and he was playing a handful of snaps talking about making it to the NFL you know talking about being an impact player at West Virginia you know some people probably rolled their eyes at that at the time he wasn't playing much and, and look what he did I mean, He put the work in, and and he made it happen. And I think that there's a lot to say about that. I mean, it happens sometimes in college sports, but it doesn't happen by accident. You have to work for it. And he he obviously doesn't have some of those traits some guys have. You know, he's not the biggest guy. You know, he's pretty strong for his size, but he's made up for it with the way he plays, his motor, his effort. You know, I hate to make this comparison, but, you know, during the draft process, a guy that was thrown around a lot, I'm not comparing him to him, but just similar physically with Aaron Donald, the way he plays. And that's kind of how what he reminds me of. I mean, he's obviously not Aaron Donald. Right. No one is. But I think similarly, when you watch them play, you'll kind of get what I'm saying if you watch his tape.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and like I said, as I was covering the Big 12 and just watching West Virginia, and anytime as, as I was in Central Texas and he was playing against Baylor, I always knew that Baylor had to make sure that they had uh, they knew where Darius was at all times because he was going to, like I said earlier, just disrupt everything, just kind of wreck any kind of idea, any plan that they had. And and, and Keenan being an undrafted free agent, it's not easy. You know, it's it's a tough it's a tough out to try to make the roster, even make a practice squad spot. I mean, right now there's a na- 90 man roster; they got to cut it down to 50. And I'm not saying my gut feeling tells me he's going to find a way to make the roster just because of who he is. Again, it's a tough out; it it, it really is. But what about Darius? Do you think gives him that real that real opportunity or that real chance of making the roster?
3: I just don't think he's going to quit. You know, a lot of guys. I mean, I've seen guys before go undrafted and they'll pout around, and you know, you know what I mean. And he he took it he took it as another chip on his shoulder. I mean, I guess you could say he has a whole bag of this. Um, he's just a guy that wants to prove people wrong. I mean, he's been overlooked a lot. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, even overlooked in his own family at times. You know, college recruiters. Or I mean, for example, even at West Virginia, they offered his brother when they both competed in the same camp and didn't offer Darius. Mm. So it's one of those situations where he's used to it in a sense. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of unfortunately poetic in a sense. It's been his story. Um, always overcoming adversity and obstacles and finding a way to make it happen because, I mean, you look at what he did at West Virginia, especially from his spot in the, in the interior defensive line, it's really impressive. I mean, he was able to disrupt. I think he had 14, 15-and-a-half tackles from loss, seven sacks one year. So he really made stuff happen in high-level division college football.
1: And to be able to get him as an undrafted free agent, again, like you said, you were surprised he went undrafted. I was very shocked that he went undrafted. And so I feel like the Raiders have an opportunity, and he has an opportunity. He sounds to me like, and I know you cover college football, but to me he sounds like a typical what we would call a Gruden grinder, you know, a guy that's kind of, like you said, got that chip on his shoulder and just ready to go to work and prove everybody wrong or prove himself right that he knows that he can get it done.
3: Yeah, I think that's really what what fans can expect out of him. I mean, as you mentioned, it's the NFL – yeah, they've got a lot of trimming to do. I, I think that I wouldn't bet against him, though. Right. I will say that. I, I mean, he, he if there was ever a point in my career I doubted him uh, since I've been covering him here at West Virginia, he's proven me wrong. And I, he's proven a lot more people than me uh, that really have doubted him over the years. I think that he's just so driven and he works so hard. Uh, that doesn't guarantee success. Obviously, if it did, everybody would play in the NFL. But I, I wouldn't bet against him.
1: Right. Absolutely. We're talking right now with Keenan Cummins, WVU sports.com on Twitter at rivals Keenan. And before I let you go, I wanted to ask some big news coming out of the, the big 12, and it's not really big news. It's just big speculation, but Texas and Oklahoma uh, somewhat talking or trying to flirt with the sec. Uh, what are you hearing Keenan, on, on that front? Do you think that that's something that, that down the pipeline could uh, could actually be a reality?
3: I, I wonder how much the 12 team playoffs has changed things. Mm-hmm. You know, before uh, you, had, you four teams get in, I know most people say, hey, it's easier to get there. Is it, though? Right. Uh, I mean, in the 12 team playoff, you can lose a couple games and get in. It makes me think that, obviously, I think there's, I don't, I, I'd say there's probably more than smoke now with everything coming out. There's at least a flicker of flame. And just when you think we're done with realignment, they're <laughs> pulling us back in, aren't they?
1: <laughs> right, right. Just, you can never get away. Think they're done.
3: And uh, <laughs> for West Virginia fans, unfortunately, this is kind of an old hat. You know they they went through everything with the Big East and then the early days of the big 12 and now this. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I think that at some point you got to feel like this normalizes a little bit and we go back to some regionality <laughs> that would make sense for everybody. but for the time being, I mean I could easily see you know four, 16 team, 4, 18 team conferences before it's all said and done.
1: It should be interesting. It really should. When I saw that news today, it just kind of, whoa, you know, caught my attention. I know there's been flirtation. There's been talks for quite a while, but uh, this does feel like at least that it's a little bit more real or, or like you said, there's a little bit of flame following that smoke right there. That's Keenan Cummings, WVUSports.com on Twitter at Rivals Keenan. Hey, thank you so much for the last minute, like I said, to be able to jump on with us and give us a few minutes of your time talking about Darius and also the Big 12. Keenan, you got anything coming out that uh, anyone should be on the lookout for?
3: Just a lot. I just tune in if you like West Virginia sports. If you follow the Big Twelve, we we have a lot of stuff uh, pretty much daily. So (laughs) give us a check out of the site.
1: There it is. There it is. Thank you so much for your time, my man. I appreciate you.
3: No problem. Thanks for having me on, bud.
1: Absolutely. There he goes, Keenan Cummings. Really good dude, right there, covering West Virginia like a glove. Uh, Again, that was something that I reached out to him basically about twenty minutes before the show started. It was like, hey, you know what? No one's talking about Darius and and I get it. It's an undrafted free agent. Everyone gets excited about the first round pick. Everyone gets excited about the second round pick. That's just, I mean, that's just nature. You know I mean? You just naturally get excited and fired up about certain guys that you immediately see how they're going to make an impact on the team or how you want them to make an impact on the team. But I'll tell you, man, I think Darius has an opportunity again. He's, he's going to work hard and it's going to be very difficult to make the roster. I mean, you're at 90 men right now. It's one thing. Get down to 53 is another thing, but if you got it inside, which I know you do, and I know he does, he can make it happen.
2: don't you think that maybe like football's going to like that weight, like it's changing a little bit like in the future, maybe like five years ago, five years from now, like that Darius still type that'll be the prototypical defensive tackle, maybe like a smaller defensive tackle Could like be. in that six foot two smaller faster. yeah, yeah, just like that can maybe get to the quarterback a little quicker as opposed to the six, six, three thirty the monster, yeah, the yeah, that defensive tackle that's just clogging up maybe somebody a little bit quicker, you know, we've seen that with the linebacker position, how right. they're just converting safeties. Yeah. It's just, I think maybe, like, the game is just going to keep getting faster and faster, and maybe, like, those dairy Stills, like, they'll be a little bit more valued, you know, as, as we see, like, the NFL just get faster and faster.
1: You, you, you never know. I mean, it, it is shifting. You are seeing a shift. You're seeing guys, like you mentioned, safeties convert to linebacker. You're seeing, you're seeing guys like Isaiah Simmons, who was drafted out of Clemson and went to Arizona. You know, there was really no defined position for him, but everyone knew he was a hell of an athlete. So... Let's find a way to get him on the field. You know what I mean? Like, that's what, that's what the Cardinals did with Isaiah Simmons. And that's going into the draft. Everyone knew that that was that kind of a player. And, of course, the Raiders went out and got Devon Diablo. You know, he's a guy that, hey, get him on the field. You know, Tanner Muse, who didn't get to play last year, he's a guy out of Clemson. You know, he's a, he's a guy who was playing safety, is converting to linebacker. I mean, again, it's just position. It's starting to become a little bit more positionless. You know, Jeremy Chin. Great example, Jeremy Chin for the Carolina Panthers. I liked him a lot. That dude was lower-level football. He played in college. But, man, that dude could play all kinds of different positions. I mean, you want to talk about a versatile dude? He could just get on the field and play. I mean, he's just a football player. And that's really all you need. You just need a guy who wants to get out there and get it done. Ed Oliver, I think, is a perfect example. He was drafted the year that Josh Jacobs was – no, not Josh Jacobs, sorry. Uh, The year that Cleve Farrell was drafted. And I remember a lot of people said, oh, he's under undersized or he doesn't really have a good position at Houston. He was a nose tackle, but he's not really big enough to be that guy. And he, you know, he could play different positions. Ed Oliver told me straight up at the draft. He said, I'm just a football player. (laughs) Straight up. I'm a football player, dude. Oh, you know what? He was drafted the year, Josh Jacobs, because that's the Clee Farrell draft. That's right. That's when the Raiders had three first round picks. Yep, twenty nineteen. So, yeah, exactly. So there you go. I was thinking, I'm like, in my head, I could picture Nashville. It was the draft and the, when everyone got together with the, the prospects that were there at the green room was at the stadium there in Nashville. So I'm like, wait a minute. I know I talked to him at the stadium. And then I thought, wait a minute. I talked to Josh Jacobs that day, too. And then I realized, boom, that's why. Raiders had three first-round picks that year. So, yeah, Cleve Farrell was the first one. Uh, Josh Jacobs was taken next, and then Jonathan Abram. But, yeah, I talked to Ed Oliver, and he said, look, I'm just a football player. You don't really have to give me a title. Just give me a jersey. You know what I mean? Give me a jersey, and I'll go make it happen.
2: Yep, and he also, of people who don't know who Ed Oliver is, he's also in that Stills range, that six, foot six one 280
1: range. And he's a monster, and he's an absolute monster, and I think the Bills are very happy with him. So, you know, I, again, just someone to keep on your radar. Just wanted to kind of start to show off with a guy to keep on your radar. And and, and Darius Steels, I think, is going to be a player for the Raiders. That could be a sneaky, good, undrafted free agent pick. And if you look at these, the Raiders roster and their lineup, they always seem to find a guy, maybe even two, that are under the radar, didn't really see him coming, didn't get drafted, but could play. You know, Jimmy Morrissey, I know he was drafted, seventh-round pick out of, out of Pitt. The center, I think he's going to be sneaky good. I think he's going to make the roster. There's not a whole lot of seventh rounders that make the 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 roster, but just his want to, his his you know desire to go after it and get it done, and and really to be a a leader along that offensive line like he was at Pitt. There's nothing but glowing remarks about Jimmy Morrissey. I think he's a guy that makes the squad.
2: My guy Javen White, hope he makes the squad or at least I like Javen a lot. Yeah, I like Javen a lot.
1: UNLV alum, State exactly. UNLV alum, Bay Area dude. I mean, there's. I mean, he's yeah. I, and I like his energy. I like his want to. I like his desire. I mean, you know. And he he got a little bit of burn in 2020, not a lot. Love to see what he'll do. That's another guy that you know to pay attention to in training camp. What does Javen White do? That's hey, I'm glad you brought that one up. That's a good one. <laughs> he said, yeah, I know As, I mean, as, you know, as, as Demond just uh, patted himself
2: on the back You know what, man, a UNLV guy on the team here in Vegas Like, I don't care what position he play. I actually do think he can play But if they were like, ah right, man, we're thinking about bringing in like a punter but from UNLV, I'd be like, yeah, come on, best punter in the league. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Javen White, when I used to write for the Mountain West Wire, it was one of those like the rankings. I remember like, yeah. my rankings, like best players in the Mountain West. Right. I was like, he's got to be at least top twenty, right? Like the, how versatile he is. You
1: know, and that's and we were just talking about versatility: safety, linebacker. I mean, you play he him. Was at, doing,
2: he was. It was like when when you would watch UNLV that season. Yep. It was like, man, this defense is god awful. But they got at least one player that was just <laughs> like hey man he could be all conference but it's just like this defense is is terrible but you got that one bright spot and it's hard to look at those players on right. defense when the team is like winning maybe two games a it's season it's tough it's yeah. tough yeah it's like oh, oh the defense is allowing like 40 points a game how can you say that this one guy is a top 20 player in the conference, but he just is. And yeah. you just see it in college. It makes sense.
1: It's no, it, it makes all the sense of the world. So uh, I'll throw it out there. And we have Van McElroy, former Raiders safety, Super Bowl winner, of uh, Super Bowl 18. He played under Coach Tom Flores. We have him coming up at 430. But I'll throw it out there right now, 702-365-9200. And, of course, the Sam and Ash text line, 69187. Keyword is R&R. What's a player or two that you're most excited? Or, or uh, you know, yeah, who's who's a player or two you're most excited about seeing in training camp? Or maybe who's a player or two that you're concerned about. You know, a guy that you think, hey, he's really going to have to step up during training camp or he might not have a roster spot. Let us know. 702-365-9200. we got a few minutes for uh, open lines. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM.
1: 4.28 is the time. In the Huddle, Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond Cotton, he's behind the wheels of steel. Your boy Q holding it down for Vinny Bonsignor as he's still vacationing. He'll be back on Monday Coming up in just a few minutes, Van McElroy, former Raiders safety, Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl 18. He'll join the show to talk about Coach Tom Flores going into the Hall of Fame, talk about being a safety in the NFL, talking about a guy who went from Baylor. Think about this, Damon. He went from Baylor, and this is a coincidence because I just came from Central Texas covering Baylor as well, but he went from Baylor to the L.A. Raiders. (laughs) I mean, that's that's a heck of a jump, you know what I mean, to go from being... In Waco, Texas, to being in L.A., California, as a member of the Silver and Black, you want to talk about a, a, a culture change, culture shock. That's, a, that's what Van McElroy had to go through. So we'll talk about all things Silver and Black related, obviously, with Van coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, I did get a tweet from Deadpool's burner account, which I think is an awesome name. I think that's great. Deadpool's burner account. Say, Q, Van McElroy, literally my favorite Raider of all time. Odd choice, I know. But what can I say? Can't wait to hear the interviews. So there you go. You know, we had that conversation the other day about you know greatest raiders and who's your favorite raider of all time. And I always said it's generational, and there's always a reason why certain guys were your favorite player, or you you consider a certain guy to be you know the greatest of all time. There's just so many so many greats and so many fun players in the history of the Raiders. It's it's easy to latch on to somebody, and uh, I could totally understand. I, I I'll tell Deadpool this. I bet you some of those uh, 30-plus interceptions that Van McElroy had in his career are part of the reason why he was one of your favorite players. A dude who creates turnovers like that, you feel good about that guy. I know there was, what was it? Was it 2016? I believe it was 2016 when the Raiders did make the playoffs. And, of course, that was the injury year to Derek Carr. It was unfortunate. But the defense wasn't great, but they they created so many turnovers. I always felt good when the ball went in the air. When the opposing quarterback threw the ball in the air, I always knew there was a chance. All right, the ball's in the air. Someone's going to go and pick it off. And a lot of times it was Reggie Nelson. Even though Reggie Nelson was one of those guys that got burnt all the time, he made a lot of plays too, had a lot of interceptions. And when Charles Woodson returned for the second time, I felt great anytime the ball was in the air as well because I knew C. Wood had an opportunity to go, go get that thing. And I remember when one of his goals was to intercept Peyton Manning and he hadn't done it. And he had said, I think it was his birthday. I think he played, it was his birthday where he intercepted Peyton Manning twice. And one of them was just an incredible, incredible interception. Went up there and grabbed it one handed and brought it down. It just—I mean—he just tracked that thing. It was—it was—it was awesome. But yeah, any anyone who's a, a ball hawk, I could totally see why that would be your favorite player. Those guys are exciting. Any of those guys that make plays like that, so exciting. That's why Eric Allen, when he was a member of the Silver and Black, he was one of my favorite players to watch, because Eric Allen made a lot of plays. He made a ton of plays. I remember him and Seawood across from each other. And, and Eric Allen was brought in as the veteran to kind of help Charles Woodson just understand what he was supposed to do and, and how to take his game to the next level and, you know, how, how to not be over anxious, just go out there and do what he's supposed to do. Eric Allen was one of those guys. He, he, was, he was a heck of a player. So, yeah, I, I, I don't even doubt you at all, Deadpool, when you say that, that Van McElroy was one of your favorite players or was your favorite player. Not an not a odd choice to me because he had over 30, 30 interceptions in his career. So that makes a lot of sense. So we got a couple. We'll be uh, getting with Van McElroy any second now. I, uh, you can hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line, though, if you want to chime in on the show, 69187, keyword R&R. Let us know someone that you're excited about, a player that you're looking forward to seeing or is kind of tracking during training camp to see what they do, someone that's got you fired up and pumped up. I mentioned Darius Steeles at the beginning of the show. He's a guy that I'll be paying attention to. But who's someone that you're paying attention to? Who's someone that you, you know, you really kind of want to track and see how they do during training camp as the Raiders get prepared for the upcoming season? I believe it's the third one. (laughs) We're uh, calling Van right now, and I gave the contact number to Damon, and he just looked at me because there was three different. It's the bottom one, yeah. There's three different phone numbers on the contact. So Damon's like, wait a minute, Q, hold on. Which number am I calling here? So we do a little on-air producing. Sometimes that's how it goes down. So we're efforting him right now, and I do believe that we have him connected. So we'll get to him in just a second now that now that DeMond was able to go through all of his numbers that he has on the contact. So here we go. Jumping right into it. Got the thumbs up from DeMond. Definitely appreciate you uh, navigating through that, DeMond. I know that I probably should have gave you the heads up a little sooner, but my bad. But right now, pleased to have on the phone lines former Raider safety Super Bowl winner Van McElroy. And, And Van, thank you so much for joining the show here. Raider Nation Radio 920 in the huddle. And we were just talking about guys that make plays in high school, usually make plays in college, guys that make plays in college usually make plays in the NFL. And you made a lot of plays in the NFL. Uh, And and I just kind of wanted to start off right there. You know, what is it? What is the mindset when you go into a game or when you go into a season about see ball, get ball? Just how do you create as many turnovers you did as in your career you had 30 plus uh, interceptions?
0: You know, I think you have to have an honest conversation with yourself and, and really realize what what it takes to do that. And I don't think people really actually understand sometimes all the, the elements of the game that, that you do behind the scene. I, one thing I prided myself is, is getting a, getting an interception on a, on a sideline up. It it was really, you know, it's just impossible when you're in the middle of the field, I'm talking about as a free safety and, you know, these guys would take off, but the watching film, Watching quarterbacks getting everything they do down to where you can instinctively break before the ball's gone allows you to do that. And I think that's what most of the players will tell you that took place is, man, you get in there, watch the end zone film, and you watch a lot of it. And these guys, everybody has, they give things up. They really do.
1: How much of that do you think was just instinct as well? like I said, i mean if you if you create turnovers in high school and college, you, you turn them over in, in the in the pros as well. How much was just instincts, do you think on your end?
0: I think it, I think a lot of it is instincts on all those types of players uh, Q, I just really do. I, I watch guys and I you know Marcus out and go down the list of guys that came through and and whether it was in college, I played with a lot of great players uh, in in college and but you watch those guys, and instinctively they just make that right move, or they see that place that's going to be open, or you see, you, know, you just have a feeling that that as a safety it's going to be a draw or a screen, or just just those things that kind of come into your mind. And I don't know why some are more instinctive than others, but it it's really a big part of the game.
1: Talking right now with the former Raider and safety and a Super Bowl winner Van McElroy. He was the winner of Super Bowl eighteen, and, and that that team right there, we've been talking about defense all all offseason long as the Raiders are trying to get their defense turned around. They brought in Gus Bradley as a new defensive coordinator. That defense was really, really stinking good. I mean, have you seen a defense that's been so good since then? I mean, there's there's been some great defenses throughout the course of the league, don't get me wrong. But, man, that defense and the players that you had on that defense, on that back end, Really, really good players. What what made you guys gel so well and, and be such a good defense?
0: You know, we've talked about that. I've talked to Millen, you know, and Howie about it. Obviously, Spike or, or Mike Haynes and, and Judge Hayes. Mike Davis, who is, is gone. And, and, by the way, we, we all went to his funeral uh, there a couple months ago or so. And it was just – it was difficult to see Mad Dog, you know, uh taken away from us, but but that group of guys in the backfield, you know, we had the poster, the no-passing zone poster mm-hmm. with Nike, and you had three guys in one secondary that went to the Pro Bowl the same year two years in a row. I mean, it's pretty impressive uh, when you think about that, and really, one of those times, Mike Davis should have gone, but I just don't think everybody could have voted all four guys. <laughs> 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 but, but it was, it's just pretty stinking impressive, and, and, and we, we have fun with it a lot, but I think I think there was a real – I think Mr. Davis, you know, you look back in those days, he had a real knack. He and Ron uh, Wolf were really, really good at picking players that fit a position extremely well. We kept it very simple. I think sometimes they overcomplicate it, you know, from a coach's perspective because you're wanting to see your game in there from a coach and and that you had something to do with it. But these guys – You know, it was was pretty much, I mean, we we would bring some people, but for the most part, it was man-to-man, and everybody understood the game and and what we were going to do, and we just, they had the right people at the right time, you know, in those positions. I mean, you look at those guys, and I could go down the list of them. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, I think eight of us went to the Pro Bowl one year on, on the defense. Right. I mean, the whole defense
1: is so <laughs> <laughs> Right. Absolutely. What, a, what an incredible defense uh, you, you guys had out there on the field. We're talking right now with Van McElroy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And if you fast forward to the defense and the defense that the Raiders are trying to put on the field this year, they, they bring in Gus Bradley as a new defensive coordinator. Uh, you said a word that we've been talking about quite a bit here on the show, simplify, make things a little bit easier so guys could just fly around and not have to think so much and overcomplicate things like you mentioned. How, how much do you think that that's going to help this this organization and this this defense to try to not be, you know, the lights-out defense, doesn't have to necessarily be top 15, but just, just a really good defense that opt- opportunistically makes and creates some turnovers?
0: I think that is a big part of it. You know, I think the difficult part in today's game is because of the – free agency and what have you. It's hard to keep a group together for a very long time. So that does complicate things. But at the same time, I think coaches have a real responsibility to realize to take themselves out of the, out of the whole situation and allow the players to play the game. And and when they simplify it, the confidence still, the players feel confidence in that. And they can sense that there's a togetherness with them. And when everybody's working together, it just seems to work guys and again i think they i think they understand it I just don't know if they can stay out of their own way and allow these guys because there's some talented guys back there mm-hmm. uh, they've got some skills and and if they will just again simplify it, look at that player and make sure they understand his skill sets extremely well and don't try to get him to do things just because it's your call try to get him to do things that he can't do real well that that to me is a, a very simple way of putting it that's a disaster.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you said they got some skilled guys and one guy that they drafted this year. I'm very excited about. He plays that free safety position as Trayvon Merrick out of TCU uh, right there in, in, in Texas and in Fort Worth. Uh, I, I don't know how much uh, Trayvon Merrick you've been able to see how much TCU been, been able to see. But uh, do you think that he could be a, a big time player on that back end of that defense?
0: I really do, even though he's from TCU. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. We dominated TCU when I was a Baylor all four years, so I just had to kind of throw that out
1: there. I him. am mad at you. But he,
0: <laughs> yeah, right. he, uh, no, he's talented. He, he's got all the skills to be a great player. Again, part of it's going to be up to him and him being willing to take the time. And, you know, guys don't understand, you know, Judge Hayes, who was a linebacker coming out of college, all of a sudden, they move him up to the NFL, and he's uh, he, he's playing man to man at some of the most skilled wide receivers on the planet, you know. And but Lester studied more film than you would ever want to know. I mean, it's, it's it's just crazy. So these guys have to be committed and not just think, okay, great athlete, man, I did really well. I can come in here, understand the defense, and wham, it's just going to happen. No, if they'll get in, get in, watch the film, get after that part of it, and the coaches will allow them to make decisions on their own and not constantly uh, sort of be uh, overbearing on just what that coach is trying, wanting him to do and allow him to play his game. And again, I'm not trying to get you know too complicated here get uh, in the weeds too much, but at the same time, those things do make a difference, guys. They really do.
1: No, they do. You're absolutely right about that. You mentioned coaches and great coaches. And that was another reason I wanted to have you on the show today. Uh, Coach Flores, he's finally getting his time to shine. He's finally getting into the the Hall of Fame. And it's been too long, but uh, he's going to get the roses and it's coming up really, really soon. How excited are you to see him getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, a guy that you played for and won a Super Bowl with?
0: Not only did I play for him, but he traded for me toward the end of my career up to Seattle and brought me up there and mm-hmm. allowed me to be part of that team and help them. But no, it, the guy's a stud. And uh, Gail and I were going to drive up and go to the uh, go watch him, and we're going to go up there for four nights and enjoy it and, and make sure that we're a part of everything and and just enjoying his, you know. His time, because it is his time, and, and he's deserved it for a long time. But you know what? Better late to never, it's great, and I'm excited for him. And, you know, just his coaching style, uh, I don't know that there's a lot of them like him today. Uh, he was very – you know, you have those people in your life, sometimes it's a mother or a father, but in this case, you know, you just stand next to the guy, and you just felt comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, confident. I it's hard to explain, but there was never a time where you just felt like, you know, you can't do something, you know, when you were in his midst. And and I that's an aura that, that is hard to get as a coach, but man, he had it guys. He really did.
1: Talking right now with former Raider Van McElroy, uh, won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl eighteen with the Raiders, with Coach Tom Flores. And, you know, we have Marcus Allen on a couple days ago, and I asked him about Coach Flores, and he said one thing about him is he was always calm, he was always cool and collective. Y- your team never panicked because Coach Flores never panicked. Is that is that kind of the, the sense that you got from him as well? Absolutely.
0: I mean, if you go to the sideline and you just have – You know your head guy just yelling and cause you know just doing all the stuff. All it it just keeps you stressed out. But when you have you know you can get that from your DC, you know, or maybe your position coach. But but you had that guy that's just standing there, and you go and, and maybe there's some decisions that are being made, and you're sitting there, and and the guy was just cool, collect. I mean, he had a he really had a feel for not only the game, but he had a feel for players. He treated us like men. And, you know, a lot of the things that the Raiders did, he had a lot to do with. I mean, just win, baby, you know, that, that, you know, you could do kind of what you wanted to if you just won. And (laughs) we did a lot of winning, so we had a lot of fun. I mean, I'm just telling you, it was a, I cannot tell you that team, the Tom and, and the guys, I could go down the list of, you know, whether it was Howell, Rod Martin, Ted Hendricks, you know, Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes. I mean, then you go to the offense, Matt Millen, you know, Jeff Barnes, Ken all-, all these guys who are all studs, and you go on the offensive side of the ball and you just name, you know, you talk about Marcus, but there's a bunch of guys over there, and what a great group of guys, and then you have a head coach that knew, because uh, he had played, really understood as a player that, you know what, you know, let these, let these men be men, let them have a little fun, but at the same time let them know when it's time to play you know it's time and 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 that's kind of what we really in, enjoyed doing was enjoying each other, but at the same time when, when we were on the field, it was time to get after it, and, and he really let us do those things, if that makes
1: sense. No, it does. It makes a lot of sense, and like I said, kind of echoes what Marcus was saying about him, just hey, we're not going to panic because our head coach isn't panicking, so even when we're not having a good game, we're going to go ahead and, and still do what we got to do because he's he's calm, cool, and collective. I, I did want to ask you about Charles Woodson, first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think anyone was surprised by that, but just from what you were able to see from a, from a guy who created a bunch of turnovers as well, So just seeing what C. Wood was able to do over the course of his very long career, uh, what were your thoughts on him and how excited are you that he's going into the Hall on his first ballot?
0: First, I'm extremely excited because the guy deserved it and he's a stud. You know, I watched him and watched his style of play and tried to – you know, implement some of the things that my skill sets would 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 allow to to do, and 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 you know, in his game. But the guy was just so overly talented; he could really play any position back there. But he he was he really had a nose for the ball. He just he seemed to always put himself in a position to make a play, and and that's that's a big phrase there and it's pretty general, but it's very difficult to do guys. And, and, you know, you hear it sometimes, but this guy was the best at that. He really was. I mean, there are people that have that ability to, to just put themselves always in the best position to make a play. And there's, there are a lot of guys that seem to always kind of always be a little behind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They just kind of, it, it, they might make the play, but it was a little late. It was in it. And, and it might have been a great play, but this guy, you know, went beyond the great play and just made the super great plays. And and so yeah, the guy's a stud. Uh, very he speaks well for the you know for the for the safeties and and what have you. And and so I'm just excited for him, man. He he he's just a stud. It'll be cool. And I, and I actually got invited to go to one of his parties too while I'm up there. And so that'll be fun to. Uh, just uh, just to love on him a little
1: bit and take his hand and, and what have you guys. Nice, nice. So I, I'm assuming that I could be your plus one at that party, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I know it, that. I, I know that's right. And before I let you go, Van, uh, you mentioned before you mentioned Baylor, TCU. You know, I, I. It's funny. I came from the West Coast. I went to Texas. I was covering Baylor like a glove. That we were the flagship radio station for Baylor. And now I'm back on the West Coast here in Las Vegas. But how much of a culture shock was it for you, or how big of a surprise was it for you when you went from Baylor in college to the L.A. Raiders?
0: So hold on, guys. Hold on. And first off, it was the Oakland Raiders okay. initially. Okay, okay. When I went there, and, and so that's even that's even crazier. Yeah. But not only Baylor, my dad was a preacher. Right. So here, so there's a, there's a lot of really funny stories to this, but here I was, preacher's kid. I'm going, you know, to a team where the headline of uh, you know the Kansas City Star was, you know, put all your women up. You know, all your little girls up, the, the Raiders are coming to town to, <laughs> you know, to pillage. And I mean, it was just, you know, a nightmare. I mean, it, it was so funny. But, you know, you had that going on. And then I'm also a guy that was drafted to the Soul Patrol. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is a wonderful, man. And and, uh, and I was talking about that at Mike Davis' funeral and, uh, you know, how Mike was such a great guy. Uh, and and really making me feel a part of that team, you know, because it can be you know all those things can get difficult, you know, right. guys working together and just all the different little things that are going on. But so here you had the old white guy from South Texas going to to the Raiders, preacher's kid going to the soul patrol. <laughs> and it, you know it's just it, there's there's so many things in that whole story that are just that are just great that, that it's just funny to talk about. And believe me, we've talked about them and and just realize how close all of us and, and, and Judge and, and Mike uh, and I are are still close to another guy that sometimes I forget to mention in that group was Otis McKinney. Otis was a mm-hmm. guy who who was a nickel guy and, and you know, he was outside on the slot, he was inside, you know, as a backer on third down with, with a with running back. He might be covering the tight end, you know, and, and, and what have you. So there was a lot of skill sets he, he, he needed to, to provide that nickel play. So that guy was very critical in it too. So uh, but no, it it was it was my dad. You know, it was just funny because you know my dad was. I mean, they were shocked when they were when when they were pregnant, guys. I mean, because my brothers were 18 years old. You know, Dad's like, "When well, you're what? <laughs> 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 was another one coming." You know, <laughs> and so and so here I am. But he was pretty old by the time I'd got up there, and and uh, my dad had never been on a plane or jet or anything. And I flew him, mom up there one time, and. Oh, uh, it was pretty funny. That's so, yeah, awesome. You say all those things, it was it was classic. It was classic Al Davis, man, just just trying to find players and Ron Wolf uh, that, that fit what they were trying to accomplish at that particular position. And fortunately for me, man, uh, what a blessing, man. It all worked out so well and around a great bunch of guys, and I'm just so excited to finally get to go see Tom uh, get his due and do his thing, and, man, I'm going to be – probably get emotional for him because it's a it's just a great honor that's
1: deserved absolutely it's going to be a lot of fun i can't wait just uh, got my credential approved today for the hall so uh we'll definitely see you there it's going to be a takeover of the raider nation of course uh, all the alums of the raiders will be there it's going to be a whole lot of fun and and van we definitely appreciate your time matter of fact we appreciate all the time that you gave us this afternoon sharing all these great stories with us look forward to seeing you in canton and uh, we'll talk to you soon you're a
0: good dude man thank you
1: brother appreciate right. it guys appreciate Bye. you there he goes, Van McElroy right there, former Raiders safety, Super Bowl winner, over 30-plus interceptions in his career. Uh, you, you heard right there, going from Waco, Texas, a preacher's kid, to a member of the Raiders. And I don't know why I thought it was the L.A. Raiders that drafted him. I'm glad he corrected me on that. It was the Oakland Raiders, part of the Soul Patrol. I mean, just I can imagine that, just kind of walking into that scene like, okay, all right, well, here we go, you know, and just, just oh, man, I bet you that was a lot of fun, and, and I bet you if those walls could talk, if those walls could talk, man, just the different stories that they have. And as you heard them say, if you could play, just go out there and win. You could kind of do what you want to do. And that's how it was back in the day. I mean, this it's not really – the NFL don't really fly like that anymore these days. But, I mean, back in the day, you know, the the mold, old Raider teams and, and, and those characters, the cast of characters that they had on those squads, I could just imagine how it got down. So many, many thanks to uh, Van McElroy and, and – and, Taman, I'm going to hit him up when we get to Canton. Oh,
2: you got to. You I got, mean, he said you, I you can know, be part of his plus one. You got to act like you was just joking, too, but you got to, like, see it. No, no, look, I'm, I'm going you, to be like, oh, oh I'm serious. You oh, I was, yeah, no, I'm going to be like, man,
1: what's up, dog? You know, I'm going to act like we just go way back.
2: You know, because I've gotten into many of places I shouldn't have been just about walking, walking with the people who are supposed
1: to be there. You're, you, just, you just keep walking? Yeah, look, this is, this is the key. This is the key to it. You always look like you know what you're doing. The minute you don't look like you you, – the one minute where you look suspect is the minute you're suspect. If you look like – if you look the part, you're fine. I've walked backstage to many concerts before, no business back there. But it's cool. All you got to do is just act like you know that you belong. And when you belong, you're good. And I'll tell you, as a guy who's been to a Hall of Fame party, and I've only been to one, I can only imagine, like, the stories JT would have because I know JT's been to a bunch of them. That's why I know how much fun the Hall of Fame is and how – amazing it is when you go there because I was blessed to be able to go once and I realized like that's the mecca. All right? That's that's the mecca because everyone you can go to the draft and you might see 10 great players get drafted. Great players. I mean, great players may get drafted. And it's fun. It's exciting. You may go to the Super Bowl and see Hall of Famers walking around on Radio Row and get to talk to them. That's great. That's awesome. But when you go to the Hall of Fame, everyone has a gold jacket. It's not the Hall of OK, it's the Hall of Fame. And everyone's there to celebrate. For the most part. For the most part, everyone's there. As they're introducing everyone, you know, before the ceremony begins, you just realize, whoa, and whoa, and whoa, you know? I mean, again, it's 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 just a hell of an experience, man. So I, I encourage Raider Nation. I know it's kind of last minute, but if you have an opportunity to get yourself out there to Canton, Ohio for the Hall, I definitely encourage you to do it because it is it is something that you'll talk about forever. I mean, you really will. And those parties, come on, they go hard in the paint. I bet that's what I mean. Everybody's, LT, there, to say,
2: like, not, not, everybody's there to
1: celebrate. Everybody's happy. Ledanian Tomlinson, and I know that you hear that name and Raider Nation cringes because I and I used I used to tell LT all the time, "Hey man, I couldn't stand you when you played. I couldn't stand you when you played." <laughs> Just
2: go up, man. Hey man, how you doing? No, Just I got to let you know.
1: Yeah, I did. I respected <laughs> the hell out of him because he's a great player. But, man, the dude averaged like four touchdowns a game against the Raiders. He, he, he always did. And so he hurt my feelings anytime he touched the ball. Yeah, and then he did that little stupid flip. That was even worse. I don't know what's worse, him running all over the team or flipping doing that little whatever. Ugh. That was irritating. I
2: wish somebody could see me right now. just did it. Just did that. Yeah. Got so yeah. Fired
1: up, just he, he sure did. Yeah. He just did it again too. No reason for it. Don't do it a third time. Three strikes in your house, <laughs> but no. And, and you know, the thing about LT and then we'll take a break. He he told me at, at radio row, he said, Hey Q. I mean, I had a lot of success against the Raiders, but Al Davis respected the hell out of me. He said Al Davis would talk to him all the time, you know, and, and tell him how much he irritated him because he had so much success against the team. But but And he said he had a ton of respect for Al Davis. He had a ton of respect for Raider Nation. I mean, just, you know, obviously that, that rivalry between the Chargers was big and major. And, again, nobody was a fan of LT. But, man, that dude, he was very respectful after the fact. I mean, on the field, disrespect. That little, that little flip, very disrespectful. But after the fact, you know, he, he, he was a good dude. But that, man, he had TI performing at his Hall of Fame party. Like, literally. I'll show you pictures in the in the, in the. I'm
2: not going to lie, because, like, you say that, and I'm like, when LT was popping, T.I. was also popping. Yeah, So yeah. this could have been a great party. Oh, that no,
1: was an awesome party. I'll show you pictures in the, in the, in the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, 4.55 is the time. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come on back, kick off hour number two of In the Huddle, and we'll be talking with Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. She was there at the Mountain West Media Days today. Also, she's going to be there at the training camp, at the training facility in Henderson next week as the Raiders open up camp. So we'll talk to her, all things Raiders and – Get a little bit of the Mountain West, uh, her vibe from today's media day as well. This is In the Huddle right here on Radio Nation Radio 920.